0: And welcome back to the Whale Nerds podcast. This is episode 64. My name is Caitlin and I'm here with Adam and Eric. Hello. Hello.
1: Hello, everyone. What's up? Yo.
0: Hey, friends. Thanks for Hello. uh getting together right before the holiday. One more episode before the new year. Um sorry Slater can't be with us tonight, but you know, we got family schedules and things to try and accommodate. So we're gonna get on here and do a quick podcast and then um We'll see you in 2021. I believe will be our next episode. That'll be out. So, woo!
1: I'm excited woo! for the new year. I need I need a change in my life. <laughs> I need some good vibes and some positivity. And you new know, thing,
2: bad things just don't go away because the calendar hits another year. I know, I really,
0: yeah, it does. I really it's really like Y2K. The one goes in on the end, and it changes everything in the yeah. computer.
2: Doctors yeah, don't go. Oh like, yeah, that that virus will go away in a month or so.
0: Yeah, it'll disappear.
1: Yeah, it's going to be
2: gone. It's just
0: going to disappear.
2: Thank God for 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dr. Fauci got his
0: vaccine today. It's going to change everything.
2: It doesn't just reset, you know. It's not like, you know, you're playing Super Nintendo. Like, oh, I messed up on that part. (laughs) Reset. Nope.
0: (laughs) Well, I am hopeful that the new year is going to bring some changes. Um, So, that's where I'm at.
1: If you live in Georgia, please go vote. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to bring some good whale vibes as well. I'm I feel so. it. 2021 is going to be a banger of a year.
2: I don't think so. That's not like even even numbers. What do you mean? <laughs> <Whales laughs> like is not supposed to be is it supposed to be a La Niña? Uh,
0: what what is long-term climate patterns anymore? They're all screwed up.
1: <laughs> <It's true. laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a La Niña. This year.
0: Yeah, well, it remains to be seen, okay?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, but, you know, I'm hopeful. <laughs> get that cold water, some nutrient-rich water, get some, some food for the whales, and get a bunch of boys. That's get a, a bunch of boys. <laughs> and girls. I just call them all boys because they're like my boys. Like B-O-I. You know? Yeah, B-O-I-S, yeah.
0: <laughs> so... Um, on our agenda today, do you guys want to do whale news first or something else first? I mean, I put it in this order, but it doesn't have to go in that order.
1: You want Let's to talk start...
2: about sightings or? We'll start yeah. with our traditional sightings.
0: Okay. Eric is the only one that really has sightings.
2: Oh, yeah. Adam can start with the boatyard if he likes. I mean,
0: <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, so the Condor other day. Express. Yeah,
2: the talk about guard. that sanding. Talk about that sanding. Or guys. those
0: barnacles.
1: I saw
2: a, I saw a seagull.
1: That was pretty cool. Actually, what kind you know, of goal? a western goal. Thank mm-hmm. you very much for correcting me. Seagull's not a thing. Um, I see. I've, I've seen a couple of uh, homeless people walking around. Um, seen, the, seen the bottom side of the boat. I've seen a bunch of sanding, a bunch of two hundred and twenty grit sandpaper, as well as some eighty grit sandpaper, um, some two sixty four uh, primer paint, as well as some Trilux paint. And what kind of bottom
2: paint? Yeah. Yeah, it's new engines. <laughs> what kind of bottom paint were you using? Uh, we're using
1: Trilex 33.
2: Cool. New zincs yet, Oops. or wait until you're done. The paint's all dry.
1: Yeah, we got to do the zincs later. We got to wait for that to be all done. We're <laughs> just sanding everything down at the moment, and our jet parts. Super oh, we
0: exciting.
1: Just, we just got in the uh, the heads <laughs> and controls and wires, so we can start doing Ooh, a wire so run.
0: Switches. Yeah. Electric switches.
1: Well, we're going to have a whole lot of crap. Dude,
0: you guys are, like, into the next century.
1: I know. It's pretty cool. It's actually <laughs> it's actually really cool that we're doing this because it's for the uh, air quality, it, our missions. So yeah. our engines were just so old that they had to be updated. And uh, these new engines will be good in the boat until 2035. Um, and so they're a lot more what efficient. They
0: tier, what tier are they?
1: Tier 3. Tier
0: 3,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um. Right. So... Which is good, you know. Nobody wants to pollute. Um, we're gonna be putting out a lot less CO two. It's gonna be a lot more efficient. We're gonna be a little bit faster. And uh, after this is all done, we'll get our COI up a little bit as well. So we'll be up to one forty nine for passengers. Are they?
0: Are they lighter?
1: They're lighter. But the problem was um, our boat has really big engine rooms because it's such a big boat. Um, That's
0: not a and- problem.
1: Well, it is with the Coast I'd like Guard to be now. I like
0: stand up inside the engine room. It's
1: a great. I know, but it it's feature. a problem. With the, it's a problem with the Coast Guard now because they don't want big engine rooms because it, if water gets in there, it can sink the boat a lot easier. Yeah, it's a
0: big void that can be filled.
1: So in or so we had our COI go down originally, even though our um, <laughs> our engine's a lot lighter. Hey. Um,
3: It would be a podcast if we
1: didn't have a dog. You're totally right. (laughs) But uh, we went went down to 106, and so we had to get these flotation boxes put in the back of the boat off the stern to go back up to 149. So it's just this huge freaking mess. Uh, But the the first. I know. But we've gone almost through our first month now, and we've gotten a lot done. So hopefully in early February, we'll be back running again. (laughs) If not, middle of February. Middle of February. Hey,
2: you guys guys are aware too. third of our listeners are like, WTF right now? Well,
0: yeah, I was just going to ask some (laughs) clarifying questions because not everyone's uh, boat boat people and not everyone's commercial passenger carrying (laughs) vessel boat people. So, um, you guys upgraded to Tier 3. Did you do that on your own dime or did you have Moyer grant money?
1: If you don't Uh, mind me asking, I don't know if you can tell people that. We did have some grant money, um, but we paid a lot for
0: those. So, the emission standards in California California. I don't know if it's in every state, but the Coast Guard does have a say. Well, I guess they have more of a say in the function and the weight and all that. But um in California, where is where I'm more experienced with it, there's an emissions program for like these goals they've set for commercial passenger carrying vessels um, to reduce emissions. And um usually that also helps with your fuel consumption and efficiency overall when you upgrade Definitely. engines. Um, and there is a there is a grant money pool. Um, the one I'm familiar with is the Moyer Grant, and it's I think from the Department of Air
1: and Environmental
0: Quality or something. I don't know what the department name is exactly. yeah, it's
1: a c b d or something like that. Yeah.
0: And so they help offset the cost because new engines are expensive. Like we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to if your boat has multiple engines. Like what does the Condor have three? so it's a big it's a big ticket (laughs) item and they're they're set in tiers so you don't necessarily have to jump from like tier one to tier three but if you can make it pencil out um you know in an amount of time that's reasonable then you know jumping to the highest tier so that you have your engines for as long as possible is always a good move because the other thing with those big engines for boats is when they like get to the end of their like quote unquote life you don't just buy a new one you rebuild it because that's cheaper so when adam's saying that you're putting an engine in till you're you're good until 2035 it's because they plan to rebuild those engines multiple times they don't plan to buy new brand new engines
1: exactly so i think the engines we had the detroit diesels we had in there oh my god you had detroits in there yeah
0: are you the last boat ever to run Detroit?
1: <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you can't even get
0: parts for them anymore.
1: I know. It's actually really hard. One of our buddies that works on um, one of the local NOAA boats was, like, asking us to sell him some parts from the old engines. But um, yeah. those things, I think, they they were at least rebuilt twice. Um, so. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, in Monterey, the John Deere's on some of the boats that I'd been on had been rebuilt three or four times. Yeah. So, at least. So
1: it's pretty crazy. It's a it's a really long and tasking process, but I'm happy to be a part of it. I think it's a lot there's a lot of good knowledge I've been learning and yeah, a lot of
0: sure.
3: good
1: back
2: breaking work. Is this uh, is your this is your Adam, this I can tell this is your first year at the boat yeah, yard ever. This <laughs> is my Aww. first yard. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it. Wait until next year. You're you're gonna do anything to avoid it. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna
0: be like sanding oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to use that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think now's a good time to bring up you know, since we have so many people who are always like, oh, I can't wait to become a naturalist or get into that field or work on a boat. Yeah. And the off season comes. It's a lot of work, man. I hope it you're good really with is. a
0: paintbrush in the off season.
2: I'm over it. You know, I have so many horror stories, like literally just flipping out at boat yards. So it's like, uh-uh.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a stressful place. But I'm looking forward to going back to whale watching because I think I'm going to appreciate it even more than i already have like
3: yeah
1: you know like if if dave's like hey scrub the boat i'm like oh no problem i'll scrub the i'll scrub the entire <laughs> boat i'll scrub your house like what do you want me to do like i'll scrub it i'm <laughs> gonna scrub your bike and your car like it's fine yeah
0: i think so. so my piece of advice though to new boat crew is if you're serious about being in the industry for a long time or like making a career on boats whether it's deckhanding naturalizing becoming a captain someday I think doing at least a couple boat yards is good. One, because you learn more about your boat, um, which I think is always important for safety and like just general boat awareness. And two, if you really want to become a captain, you are in charge in the yard someday, and so like you need to Dude. see all the grunt work <laughs> that happens. And that's you need how to we see how much of a mess it can be.
2: And that's how we're losing so many captains in the field. Look, at there's so many deckhands with licenses. And, yep. and they realize it's not just, oh, I drive the boat, look at me. And the next thing you know, yeah. they're like, hey, you need to do this. And they're like, I don't know how to do that. I don't want to do that. And so it's, yeah. a lot of people see being a captain as such a, a glamorous thing. And then that hits them. And then they're like, they,
3: yeah.
2: they, they don't realize that they have to do boat work and stuff like that and be familiar with all that stuff and do the maintenance. And then they're like, okay, I think I'll just, you know, that license on the back burner and just continue yeah. either being a naturalist or deckhand.
0: Yeah. It's, well, and the license has nothing to do with the engine room. You know, like
1: yeah, it, it doesn't mean anything about your knowledge, like knowledge of your boat or like you know how experienced you are with things yeah. or how you can control things in the yard and get things done. Yeah. It's pretty impressive watching Dave work.
2: Yeah, um, and that's why sea time is done. so important it's ridiculous that mm-hmm. how people are getting their license after a year and it's like you know you're gonna learn so many things out there over the years that you're yeah. not learning that book or by the coast guard yeah. or that class i mean it's sea time is so important yeah and, and I would are, encourage, they're getting licenses yeah yeah
0: i would encourage sea time on a, a variety of vessels as well that are in the size class you're interested in Definitely. um because that also implies that you're going to end up working with different crews and different captains and be familiar with, you know, like, not every boat's a cookie cutter of the next one. Like, each boat has its own little I mean, <clears throat> quirks and the way it dude, rides and things to be our aware boat, of.
1: And, our boat is so unique. It, it's honestly one of a kind in California. Like, you know, we have the, we have the jet parts. You know, our, our boat's totally jet-propulsed. It's not propellers. Um, it's a little bit bigger. It's like a 71-foot 70, boat, so we have to use the Federal Coast Guard instead of the local Coast Guard.
0: Are you it's guys just... a K-boat or a T-boat? Do you
1: know?
0: No. So, like, the Hurricane 2 is a K-boat, so the, pass, the CFR requirements and, like, passenger safety requirements and stuff are uh, different.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what ours is, but it's a whole lot of work. <laughs> That's all yep. I'm going to say. So I'm yep. excited to get back on the ocean every day. That being said, though, there has been a ton of life in the channel that we've sadly been missing. I just counted it all together, and since September, there's been eight confirmed killer whale sightings in the channel. And my count for this year is a big ol' fat zero, so <laughs> that's a little disappointing. But that's all right. I, at least they're there, you know. You've seen other whales too. I mean. I oh mean,
2: yeah, it's not everyone has to get whales, over the part. the killer whale thing. I mean, it's, there's other whales too. I mean, what does, about the like, things I that they eat?
0: Whole yeah, she, bunch of killer whales this month.
2: Every, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's not the only thing there. I mean, it's like, oh man, our humpbacks are so awesome. Our dolphins are so awesome, and everyone's just oh, like, totally. If I had a dollar for every time I'm on the boat, you know, it's like the first question, every other trip is pretty much, "When's the last Have time you saw killer, killer whales? whales?" Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's how it goes. The freaking humpback whales, or the blue whales, or the fin whales, oh, or the dolphins. I, I
1: think I honestly, I think I honestly like humpbacks more than killer whales, but. It's I think this is my first year in the three years that I've been whale watching that I haven't seen killer whales, so
2: And this is why Vaquitas are in trouble. This is why so many animals are in trouble and people are like, Oh, what's a Vaquita? I was like, Oh my god. <laughs> I
1: mean it, it's definitely good to get the name out there for the Vaquita and different species. Um but
2: I think it's also important
1: that people love killer whales, you know. I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
2: They uh, should love they should love the animal where they I can probably count them on one hand right now you know the vaquita
1: is that nobody ever sees them you can't just hop in a whale watch boat and go see them you can't just hold a picture of and because
2: of that we should probably worry about them you know well yeah
0: yeah. and i think i mean unfortunately it's a it's a marketing issue right like there's an ugly way to say it but like it's an awareness issue because I mean, I think if, if people would have learned about them when there was more of them, they are so cute that people would have, yeah. like, latched onto them. But yeah. it's, like, it's so too little too late at this point, which is so sad.
2: Yeah. Um, I was, like, I talk about conversation on the boat, and it's, like, always my ending thing, and it's, like, vaquita, Huh? <laughs> it, but, it, I mean,
0: I think it's still hurts. important, right? Like, it's still important to bring yeah. them up, like, for sure. Um,
2: it's not still important. It is important, you know? Yeah. We so, waited till the last minute, and it's like, you know, people.
1: A lot of people said when the when the Baiji went was declared extinct that you know we would learn from that and and really nope. try to help the next cetacean species. But it's,
0: here's our moment.
2: <laughs> we don't really learn, so I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this. You know, seventy plus SRKWs and maybe you know maybe ten vaquita at the most, and it's
0: less like, than that. Yeah.
2: I mean, do the math, people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you bring up a good point, though, and in, in, you know the fact
1: that everybody loves killer whales. If yeah, if you can't save the southern residents, what
2: what, what the hell can we save?
0: Well, that's also a fair point.
2: And yeah. conversations getting, I mean, conservation is getting really scary. I mean, people's viewpoints of animals. There's people who say, I don't get people's. Uh, thought process nowadays you ever talk to people like i love wildlife and like what do you like I'm like i like dogs i was like oh my god <laughs> like, i love animals is money. a better
0: way to say that yeah <laughs> exactly
3: yeah and it's like that's
2: not gonna help you know save things i mean yeah, yeah i like dogs too but uh the big picture about... is you got to start wild animals and yeah. and then there's people i'm not gonna name any names i mean i, I have some close friends i i, I they their trends you know they uh, they only like those highlighted animals. I mean, they don't like they don't like the snakes. They don't like the lizards. It's, you know, it's only whales and dolphins. Yeah. But we're not charismatic gonna, we're not gonna,
0: megafauna. Yeah,
2: we're not gonna save you know the planet by caring about everything. I mean, you guys, you guys know me well. You see out what animals I adore. It's everything, you know. Yeah, totally. When, when I'm gone, it's not because I don't want a podcast. It's because I'm looking for animals. You know, birds, totally. reptiles, lizards, salamanders. You know, owls. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, th-
1: I think it is important though when when you do have those those flagship species that you know protecting them can protect the whole environment or lower trophic levels or whatever it is you know like protecting the southern resident killer whales is gonna protect the salmon species. It's gonna protect uh, the harbor porpoise. It's gonna protect the the stellar sea lion. It's gonna it's gonna protect everything in that region. So well, I, I definitely hear you, what you're you saying. Capitalize
0: but... on the opportunity correctly. You know. it's it's true and you can just
1: you can just save the southern residents and and deplete everything else you know but you really have to look at it um as a whole and like i was talking to um jeff uh with Maya's legacy and he was um saying that it's it's not even about saving the southern residents about it's about saving the whole ecosystem like
2: there's so many amazing
1: amazing creatures that can benefit from the southern residents being the highlight of that, you know, region, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. but
1: it really is about saving even something as as small as like the the seagrass there, you know, like they had they had a lot of they implemented a lot of mooring buoys there instead of people dropping their anchor in the seagrass just to protect that. It's so, like mm-hmm. little things like that build the environment and can just kind of snowball and just help
2: and the, save it. One so. problem over there now is they're not working on that first. You know, they're not working on the environment. That's, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what's really hurting these animals. They're still, to this day, and it's gotten worse. A lot of you people up in the Pacific Northwest know what just happened. You know, it's like they're blaming whale watchers. They're blaming boats. And, you know, there's going to be a big issue now where there might be... I don't know if you heard about this, Adam. You worked up there. You might have got wind of this, but they're proposing doing uh, time frames, you know, where... People can go look at the SRKWs and stuff like that, and
0: yeah, we kind of talked a lot about of times. Yeah. last episode, right? It's like specific days during a specific yeah. time of
3: year, and
2: you're and you're literally going to cause the people who are actually trying to save these animals and the biggest influence on you know on the general public you know we're the ones who spread the messages and stuff like this as educators as naturalists you know as well as folks on the whale watching boats you know we're actually taking the people out to see these animals you know and now you're gonna keep us away from doing that Mm -hmm. It's you should should start with the problem which is yeah lack of food all the other environmental issues out there Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i mean i think i don't know this year has caused me to reflect a lot on like our science communication abilities in yeah. the US, especially, but around the world. I mean, look at how communicating science about COVID has gone. And that's a much more pertinent human problem than any conservation issue that people can latch onto right now, as far as what's in people's frame of mind. I don't, I mean, I think climate change and other conservation issues are just as big of an emergency as the pandemic because you think the pandemic went poorly wait till you see what happens when sea levels rise and things get hotter and fresh water becomes more scarce it's going to be just as terrifying if not more I Totally um, agree with that. and so like just looking at how poorly science was communicated and understood by the general public this year it's like oh my god we have got a lot of work to do in all different facets of science um because if you can't get the general public engaged like on a massive scale, I don't really see how you're going to get any change to happen because politicians are driven by their constituents, and if a, a general person walking down the street can't understand it, then your elected official probably can't either.
1: Like, totally, and they're not you know, experts that's,
0: in science, but they're making the decisions about it.
1: That's why. Uh, that's why what we, we do, what we do, you know, whether whether it be taking people out in the boats in person or or trying to display that message over social media. And granted, I should probably. Looking back on my post, like I should probably be a little bit better on that, but that's you know that's what we're devoting our life to. and I, th- I think it says a lot about that because you know we're not chasing money. we're not chasing you know America the American dream or success or like any of that like we're just trying to help the planet and we're gonna we've devoted our lives to that. and I think that's a beautiful thing that a lot of people can latch on to. and you know whether like I said, it be on the boat or over social media like we do have a, a good influence on, on people that care. And it's just mm-hmm. now about extending that to people that either don't care or don't know. That's yep. that's, the, that's the hardest part. So. Yep.
0: Yep. And I think then that has to echo up the chain too to holding, holding those responsible to the massive destruction of our planet responsible. Um, you know, we got to get back on the Paris Agreement. We got to hold our industries responsible for their waste and their destruction and their you know yeah. no hopefully more. Under
1: the, hopefully under the new administration we can start to get back to doing those things and, and being a progressive country that really thinks about the environment and renewable energies and sustainability. You know, that's always the hope. But yeah, you know that's that's like the whole reason why we're upgrading our boat. Like, you know, we could have sat on mm-hmm. it for another couple years. Yeah. But like no, it was time. You know, you yep. gotta upgrade to the next standard and you gotta you know support things like that like no matter what yeah. it is if it's monetarily or socially or whatever you got to support the growing need and just everything around sustainability i think yeah so
0: yeah for sure
1: oh. so anyways uh <sighs> top topic <laughs> but yeah anyways
0: yeah. i think it was a valid point to make eric i'm glad you brought it up um do you want to talk about your sightings now <laughs>
2: My sightings? Yeah. Uh, that's you know what? We're my Monterey <laughs> sightings are just, yeah, just, yeah, as everyone knows, yeah, just uh what, the last two, three weeks, about four killer whale sightings, and pretty much every sighting they were eating sea lions, going after sea lions, and it's then, the season. Uh, yeah, and, and uh also a few humpbacks still out here. It seems to be the same few they're hanging out, still mom and calves. There's about maybe three, two pairs still in the bay that have been doing really awesome for us, getting really friendly and curious uh, around boats. Uh, dolphin, gray whales are slowly trickling in the area. Had about, I had two today, so yeah, Monterey still good as usual. Good variety mm-hmm. of animals out here, you know, are, uh, everything's still showing. Uh, the next thing we're expecting is, yeah, once again, are just our good, consistent flow of gray uh, whales coming through. And the weather's been surprisingly good out here. You know, seas cool. have been okay. Yeah, but uh, uh, I think. Anything else? Anything I missed? I don't know. You guys will probably watch my social media, probably see it all.
0: No, uh, I think that's pretty yeah. much all of it. Yeah. I yeah, had I some think... fun sightings.
2: You <laughs> <laughs> saw a Christmas tree being lit, I know. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So. I, one of the projects I've been doing at home with my family is um, sorting through the shoe boxes and shoe boxes and shoe boxes full of photos that we have accumulated over my parents' life and my sister and I's life. And we broke into some old photos from the 80s of Depot Bay,
2: and there's yes. great whale
0: pictures in there. Yeah. yeah my parents i mean they went whale watching a lot on the central oregon coast um from land and on a boat um before i even came on scene and so they my even with my mom's little point and shoot camera she got a few gray whale photos so that was pretty fun to go through those
2: nice yeah did you and there's
0: there's Photos from the San Juan somewhere. I'm not quite there yet. But I, I'm pretty sure I tried to take point-and-shoot photos of, of killer whales. So if I find those, I'll post them on our Patreon. I posted the grey whale photos on our Patreon just for fun.
1: To be like, be aha, so I
0: cool. saw whales!
1: <laughs> <laughs> so did, did your parents, like, get you into whales? Like, if they were whale-watching before? and you just, like, do it yourself as a little girl? Well,
0: like? yeah, so, like, they they like all wildlife and animals and stuff and they love the oregon coast um yeah and so like as a kid they just kind of like let melissa my sister and i um you know follow whatever interested us and for me it was animals um but it wasn't whales and specifically until i got to college
2: mm-hmm. the chickens
0: I had, we raised chickens, we raised rabbits, I did H and showed goats, I rode horses, I worked at a horse farm, yeah, I mean. What farm? A horse farm. Oh. Like a boarding facility where people would bring, yeah. Um, I taught swim lessons, I worked as an outdoor school counselor, like, you know, whatever I can get my hands on. But we weren't. we didn't live on the coast, you know, it was like an hour away. So we'd go to the beach maybe once or twice a year, sometimes more than that. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just like it happened when I got to Oregon State because Oregon State actually has a big marine mammal program for graduate school.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. So I lucked out with Jim Sumich on a one weekend class and it's his fault from there on out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The master of gray whales. Yeah, the the, godfather
0: of gray whales.
2: Jim's, like, my hero.
0: (laughs) He's awesome.
2: Yeah, he's a fun guy.
0: So, yeah, so that's kind of how it fell into it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, my my mom is also really good at, like, picking off wildlife from the car. Like, my dad always says, like, good thing she doesn't hunt because there would be no more animals. Like, (laughs) 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 like, she'd be like, bald eagle, deer, elk, you know, fox, whatever it is, you know. And she's going down the road 55 miles an hour. And she's like, oh, look over there. And it's, like, already gone. (laughs)
1: That's awesome. So, yeah it's a cool story i like that story it's a good one
0: yeah.
2: um let's see you guys want to hit on those uh questions
0: yeah i think especially the second and third one kind yeah, of tie into what we've been talking been
2: about yeah go yeah. for it
0: um so the first one i think we should talk about is good places to take kids whale watching i think the winter time is one of the in my opinion easier times to answer that question. Um. And it kind of depends on the age of the kids, but I think like from however young you are comfortable taking them on the boat and up, um, gray whale season is a really good time to go. And I would say, I don't know. I mean, Monterey's okay, the weather can be pretty unpredictable and the trips are still two and a half to three hours. I mean, you're definitely gonna see whales, but it is a long trip for younger kids. Um, but down in Southern California, really at the height of gray whale season, like a two hour trip I think is kind of perfect.
2: Yeah. yeah, and another thing about gray whales is, especially if you're out here in California, you don't even necessarily have to be on a boat.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, depending on the age of the kids and their attention span and how good they are at using binoculars and stuff, I mean, even watching them from shore along the California coast is a good option.
2: Yeah. And it's a...
0: much less expensive, usually. Yeah,
2: and depending on where you are, yeah. whoever asked the question, if they need details, yeah, I mean, I know the, pretty much the entire california coast pretty well can I name a few little points that uh during peak season are are, are pretty much going to be a sure thing uh, yeah.
0: yeah like what do you, what would you say like february is a really good time
2: uh go t- time wise yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah february march is still pretty amazing you know yeah you know?
0: yep yeah and then um on the east coast um it's not wales but i would say if they're happy with dolphin watching um, pretty much anywhere, you know, Virgin Southern Virginia and South. Like we saw bottlenose dolphins every day and a lot of places do dolphin tours, um, which I think is a pretty approachable first trip for kids of any age. Um, and then on the East coast, if, if they can handle a four or five hour trip, then whale watching in new England is, has been really good too. So it kind of depends on how long they can, how long can you hold their attention and keep them entertained
1: <laughs> definitely yeah i think i think hit the nail on the head like the the two and a half hour graywell tours are perfect especially when they're when they're northbound you know they're right along the coast so it's you a, even on a two an hour two hour or two and a half hour trip you got a higher chance to see them if they're going north you know they usually hug the coast which gives you a little bit In more Southern time to California. search for them and SoCal, yeah sorry that's <laughs> Not
2: not in Virginia.
0: No, no, but I Virginia. mean even in Monterey, the northbound is tough.
2: Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's I definitely kinda... better south.
2: Well
1: they just scoot northbound. across the uh the canyon there, don't they? Well, I guess that's pretty and far. And they get
0: there. they get very sneaky.
1: Yeah. So they kinda gotta be though. Yeah. So
0: but yeah. Um I don't know, when do you guys start whale watching again on the Condor?
1: uh hopefully in mid-february so that's kind of a perfect time and we always get a whole heap of of gray whales uh going north just right in front of the harbor it's pretty cool there's this one little spot called ledbetter beach which is just right outside the harbor um and there's always a bunch of kelp there and kind of later in the season you know march or so is when we get the babies coming in with moms they seem to always like whenever we get a baby and a and a mom they always stop in that little kelp forest there and just roll around like every time I've seen them. So that's, um, they really like that little, little spot there for whatever reason. But
0: I would also say when travel gets a little easier, um, Hawaii is a good place anytime January, February, or March. Um, the trips are only two hours and there's lots of whales and then Mexico. Um, there's a couple different options there. You could go to Baja, um, depending on how your kids can handle small boats and that kind of stuff. Um, but also in Cabo, and a couple right. other places, you can see humpbacks. So, um, and my understanding is, is, it's probably pretty easy to find them during peak season as well—January, February, March. Yeah. But what you like to go even later in to Baja, right, Eric? Like Baja yeah, for.
2: Yeah, if we're doing Sagnacio, we try to go as late as possible. Our theory is, and it's always worked out for us, is that the uh, the uh, calves, especially over there in lagoons, are more used to the the, the presence of the poncas, and they tend to be a little bit more, you know, showy and uh, and uh, you know, willing to to come towards you. And
0: yeah,
2: so and that that has always worked out for us. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and there's other places in the world to go whale watching too. You know, like um. There's several different locations around Australia. You really have to look at what the seasons are. I don't know too much about what length of tours are offered there, but humpback whales are pretty easy to watch kind of throughout the year, depending on where you are.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, and there's humpbacks, a- I think, are yeah. a good species to watch for kids yeah. because they come up a lot, they show their tail. Sometimes they do fun things. So
2: Definitely. Yeah, Better a lot than, of-
0: like, sperm whales or something. <laughs>
2: there's a yeah. lot of fun that are pretty much like hidden gems like i was surprised with uh quebec and canada oh my god that was like some mm-hmm. of the best yeah. whale watching i've yeah. ever had yeah yeah and Tadoussac and stuff that's
0: actually yeah, a good point that
2: was amazing literally like one trip i had what belugas fins humpbacks uh uh minkies you know that was pretty wow. amazing yeah. yeah
0: the bay of fundy in nova scotia is good during the summer months as well if you're in canada too um and then you know vancouver british columbia um and up in the san juan's and it's not all just killer whales, right? there's minkies, there's oh, porpoises, there's definitely
1: not humpbacks,
0: you know. there's but occasionally gray whales depending on which where you go out of. And so. Definitely.
1: My favorite part about the san juan's is that you really can see anything. Like I mean obviously in monterey you can see the same. You can say the same thing, but it's not just the whales there, you know, it's the, it's the eagles, it's the harbor seals, and it's the stellar sea lions, it's the yeah. fish, you know, it's it's everything. It's just mm-hmm. really diverse up there, so mm-hmm. pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and for the Oregon coast, um, whale watching can be kind of tough for kids. Um, Depot Bay is a better spot to see them, even from land, because they're very close to shore there, um, but what I liked about when i worked at marine discovery tours in newport is because whale sightings can sometimes be slim they have like a full interactive program you see the sea lions you do a plankton tow you drop a crab pot on your way out and pick it up on the way back you know you look at all these different aspects of the ecosystem you look for harbor seals up the river depending on how the day went that kind of stuff so you're still going to see things um and it's a it's a good thing for the kids because they let them help
1: that's another good point you know once this kind of pandemic settles down if you are part of your kids you know pta or parent teacher association or something like reach out to a local whale watch company see if you can get them out there to do some plankton toes or you know anything like that you know we we do that in the condor i know delaney's company does that down south i'm sure a lot of companies do that you know just that's our whole point you know is to get kids out in the ocean and and really love it and it was pretty cool i think i think it was 2019 we had a school group out doing plankton toes but we had these two humpbacks come and approach the boat and like you have not like you think you take you think taking kids to a to an amusement park gets them happy like wait until you have like a 40 ton humpback come up and like spy hop next to them like they were <laughs> losing their minds which was like the most amazing feeling ever mm-hmm. um but you know yeah i mean reach out to your local waywatch company see if you can do a, a school day you know once this kind of pandemic you know kind of settles down you can get the kids what's... out there on the ocean
2: What's good is, um, I don't know, I, I've kind of noticed this and someone told me it was true. When I was a kid, it, it, it seemed like, and I'm older, a lot older than you guys. I mean, we used to have a lot of field trips. And I noticed, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I talked to, yeah. talk to some kids they are like, what's a field trip? Like, mm-hmm. It's, it's so almost sad. like they don't yep. go anymore. But luckily, yeah. I know when I was over at Dana Wharf, when I was the manager there, they had a program where uh, they knew that. They knew that was happening. So, mm-hmm. you know, they would actually take take in, you know, donations and stuff to, to get these trips um, you know, for these kids just so mm-hmm. we can get kids out there, you know, especially yep. these kids who sometimes who literally live like, like in a beach city and never been on a boat or never even yep. seen a whale and even yep. realize, yep. you know, one of the largest living creatures on the planet is just right there, like down the street from me. You know, so if you're a teacher or you know or, or a parent who wants that to happen for your kid yeah talk to local whale watch companies or just ask mm-hmm. your school to straight out go you know and try to pursue one of these and maybe yeah. one of the landings out around here or around you or we'll be willing to you know help you out or get you know, get the kids out in the boat
0: yeah and in Monterey in particular too if you happen to be somewhere you know southern bay area or out in Salinas valley or something like that, um, O'Neill Sea Odyssey is one of those programs that often mm. is grant funded so they're able yeah. to provide those to underserved schools and um underserved communities that normally wouldn't have ocean access. That's one of their parts of their mission. Um, and so that's a good resource. But also like um occasionally California State Parks is pioneering programs. Mm-hmm. Like they have the ports program. So if you want to do it virtually um but they also have some in-person programs like the Crystal Cove Alliance thing. Um, there was one going in Monterey as well, but it like was just in its infancy, and then COVID happened, so I don't know what's going to happen with it now. Um, mm-hmm. But there's other things like that too, you know, state parks and and fish and wildlife and stuff like that. Sometimes they have funding laying around where they have a program available like that too, yeah. so that's also worth looking into.
2: And and these are the things; these are the mo- those are the type of moments that you're possibly gonna to you know get one of these kids who might possibly become like the next John Cal Makitas or something like that. That's mm-hmm. how what happened to me, even though I lived like right there along the water, someone you know teaching me and telling me that, you know, this creature exists here right off your coast. I'm like, what? You know, and that mm-hmm. led me to mm-hmm. to get more into it, you know. So
0: oh and you know I'll who pitch. else sometimes has funding for that kind of stuff is ACS. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like the Monterey chapter, we usually would do our gray whale fundraiser um in like January. And we would set aside, like, 40 or 50 seats for school kids for free. Yeah, that's
2: awesome. So
0: those are also places to look for opportunities, too. So, yeah. um, So that's our suggestions on taking kids whale watching. But if you have more, like, specific, like, if you tell us where you are yeah we can find um,
3: if, a
2: spot for you
0: yeah if we're familiar with the area we can give you some more specific direction
2: and even if classes get going i know sometimes every now and then like it's just so hard to get kids out of school right now or
3: mm-hmm.
2: get to find them to go places i know every now and then like the same thing that happened at dana warp was um captain todd he used to actually go to the schools and do a presentation mm-hmm. can you take a great well skull over there you know mm-hmm. you can get like a please get like a qualified person you know ask them to to, <laughs> to do a talk i mean <laughs> I just can't believe what I see in the field right now. People who've been in the field for like a year are going around I think like an expert teaching people I was like, no <laughs> you know. That's I
0: mean if you really apply uh, yourself, I think you could probably learn enough to teach school kids in that amount of time. But you know, it's like how yeah. much dedication and
2: yeah
0: and I don't know. Yeah, I mean qualifications and checking things on a box is kind of elitist, I guess. But yeah, you know, if you feel comfortable to answer a little kid's question about yeah. like, yeah. how do they go poop, or you know, whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Same way you and I do. Not the think toilet. of
0: what you know. Think of like a six-year-old and how many questions they come up with. If you think you could probably answer a, bit, a wide variety of them, then maybe yeah, be okay.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't need to know the difference between the two species of or two things of Baird's beaked whales, or like you know. Yeah. But, you know,
0: if you can weave it into an overarching theme and tell a story and get them excited, then. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, but that takes time. Like, that definitely, like, an interpreter-type skill takes time, for sure.
1: It's a tough skill to have as well. Yeah.
0: That's a good question.
1: I'm glad somebody brought that up.
0: And that usually comes up sometime in the winter. We kind of cover that usually. Um, So I'm glad someone asked that. And then the other question that's kind of related to where we've been chatting about things is whale migration routes changing due to climate change. Like, do we think that's happening?
3: Um, hmm Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. I'd say timing as well. Not necessarily the actual physical route for some species, but the time of year that they go.
2: Definitely. So...
0: I don't know if you
2: every wanna... yeah every every area is affected uh, affected differently. So, like for example, your area, a few years ago, they got really concerned because the humpbacks were really thin, uh, over over yeah. in Maui. And you know, you would think that not being a feeding ground, you know, wouldn't affect it, affected, but uh, they think the blob just an extra amount of heat. Mm-hmm. cause greater, maybe a greater dispersal of whales. Maybe they were there, mm-hmm. they were just going to other places, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You know? I just read that paper. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it, they
0: also think not as many pregnant. whales were down there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. And then here in Monterey, different population humpback, but then again we're cold, which means we're biologically active, a lot of food, so if it gets warm here, obviously there's going to be less food, so that can definitely mess with us. Yeah, yeah. Like Adam
0: during the warm water,
2: Adam gets hit by extra hard by El Nino. You know his mm-hmm. area. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
2: hoping for La Nina. Hoping for La Nina.
0: Yeah. Well, and during the warm water event, like from twenty four, twenty thirteen to twenty sixteen, in Monterey, they also thought that most of the whales were then concentrated in this thinner band near mm-hmm. shore. Yeah. So it looked like the sightings were incredible, we're but it was really that what's normally spread out over 50 plus yeah. miles was in a five mile span. Yeah. Um, but like gray whales, um, there's theories that they might be triggered by how much ice is in their area. And in addition to the daylight and, and the productivity cycles. And so as there's less and less ice and the ice takes longer to form, they're getting later and later in their migration
2: Another thing: um, the ice, uh, the underlayer, right under the ice. There's actually a great film of uh, of plankton that grows under there, an algae that's a uh, really part, important part of the food chain. So what happens? Mm-hmm. I know sometimes a little bit lack of ice is good because it kind of expands Opens up, deeper, yeah. But when you lose a little too much, you lose a big chunk of the food chain. So that's another you know major issue. You lose ice, you lose food. So. Yes, all these issues with environments will cause changes to all different, all populations out there, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then um, on the East Coast, I think it was three years ago, they had a, a UME, so an unusual mortality event with right whales. And part of what was happening is the food shifted a little bit and the whales were in areas where there was higher trap fishery gear. Um, and then it's also harder to have the shipping lane be a moving target, and so the whales were in places where they aren't normally, and so all that critical habitat that has a lot of restrictions didn't do them a whole lot of good because they weren't in that protected zone. Hmm. Um, So that's another thing, you know, it might not necessarily be, like, when they're transiting north-south, but, like, during their summer feeding period, like, they're out of their usual zone, and so all the physically tied regulations that you put in like don't work anymore and so that's a struggle um so yeah it's interesting things I, are I shifting
1: i don't think i have too much to input on this just because it's vastly complex you know trying to link mm-hmm. climate change to whale migration changes i mean you can see it but it's it's hard to really say exactly what it could be coming from like for example the past what however many 10 years you know our summers in santa barbara have been dominated by humpback whales and if it's not dominated by humpback whales it's a 50 50 between humpbacks and blues um last year was pretty much 100 percent dominated by humpbacks we saw one blue whale the entire year and this year it was kind of flipped we had humpbacks in the early spring and then in the fall But the entire summer there was like no humpbacks. You know, who's to say if that's from climate change or if it's from just fish dispersal and fish choosing different areas or or whatever? But it it really is interesting once you really start paying attention to where whales feed and 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 when they leave and, and show up. Like we like we still have blue whales in the channel now. Like we got a report of 15 of them yesterday in the by Santa Rosa. Like it's it's pretty incredible to be this late in December and still seeing a bunch of blue whales but
0: well and it's kind of trick it's kind of tricky from the whale watch perspective too because like 20 miles on the boat is a big investment in in fuel and time but 20 miles to a whale is nothing so like yeah totally. you know all they have to do is shift just your exactly you're totally that's
1: a, you're that's like where are point? they that's a very very good point
0: <laughs> and they're like what are you talking about we're here <laughs>
1: yeah
0: so so, yeah, I do think changes are happening and climate change could be a leading contributing factor. Um, but I think a close second is fish stocks. And that is influenced by climate change, but that's also influenced by fishing. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, you know, like, and it's it has top down and bottom up influences. So taking predators at the top and taking forage fish at the bottom is going to shift Things around a lot, and it will affect whale sightings. So, it's a pretty complex issue, as Adam
1: said. Definitely, dude.
0: <laughs> um, Eric, you had a question from someone about camera settings. Is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, one of my buddies was asking me here, uh, as far as camera settings. I know Slater's not here. He's uh, he's he. <laughs> I'm basically using the same settings he 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 uses, but. Adam, you're the big photographer. I just just happen to have a nice camera and go out there, so... I'll you always say that, camera. but
1: you're, you're just as good of a photographer as anyone else. <laughs> you know, as I always tell the people... The shots you've been getting recently, I've been like, holy yeah, freaking
2: crap. I, I honestly, I mean, I have the camera, but my passengers are my priority. And totally. I just, I'm just i out in the water every day, so you know, awesome things are happening around me. It's not like I'm a serious photographer you know I, I, like my instagram it's private you know so yeah it, exactly it's, i'm i'm not a photographer i just happen to be around cool things and i take it for me that's why my if you're on my instagram yeah consider yourself lucky cuz i am private i usually
0: <laughs> ooh consider yourself lucky
1: yeah you've
2: you've been crushing it this year you got yeah. a couple you
0: got that new lens it was like who did yeah
1: yeah but like Dude, like you're like you're like Halo's ambassador from like this summer, like that little whale. You made him look so good.
2: He was just so <laughs> Don't beautiful. Forget, I'm picture. also on the water six days a week, even now they're in the off season. You know, it's like yeah six days a week. If I'm not, I looking just at shoot whales. on auto. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> okay, kidding.
1: I'm Just kidding. Camera, camera <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Slater, Slater was kind of the king of this, um, and it, it really is pretty much all you need. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's different things that change, but Everybody I know up in the coast, that's a close friend to me, shoots shutter priority at 1 over 3,200 of a second. Yep. If you do that, Mm -hmm. uh, Nat Geo will hire you and you will be (laughs) a professional wildlife photographer.
0: I mean, Nat Geo hired me, but but not for photos.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I do. I keep my ISO as low as it can be, usually at about 200 ISO. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of (laughs) just...
2: I kind of the reason you... why I'm laughing because here in Monterey, it's uh, it's too you know, dark
0: and cloudy all the time yeah, for that.
2: Yeah, it's very rare. So, in like
3: 200 you know,
1: it, yeah, like Eric's saying, you know, your ISO is essentially just the camera putting in fake light. So if it's really dark out, you got to bump your ISO up, which also it's makes not putting
0: it, in fake light. It's opening its aperture it to let in more light. No, that's the aperture.
1: Oh,
2: that's, no, that's aperture.
1: That's aperture. Oh ISO. So but yeah, but the ISO is Stop like not putting in fake light. It's it's essentially putting in <laughs> fake it's, light. It's it's bright.
2: It's sensitivity to light. That's what it is. Yeah. It's
1: brightening. It's brightening your image, which makes it a little bit more grainy. The higher ISO you can get, but you know, if you're shooting on a nice bright and sunny day, you know, try to keep your ISO pretty low. Pretty low. One over thirty-two hundred of a second for shutter speed. I just let my aperture fluctuate to whatever the camera chooses. But shutter priority is really important. Um, and if you're doing video, um, it, you want your shutter speed to be pretty much double whatever your frame rate is. So say you're shooting whatever 1080p at 60 frames per second, try to get your shutter speed at 1 over 20 or 1 over 120 or 1 over 125. That'll get you like a the most natural look for video is what I've learned. It makes like the water splash naturally. It makes the animals splash naturally. Whatever. But um, essentially just... It's pretty it's pretty simple
2: that's why that's yeah. why if, you, nice if you just if you just straight out go buy the most expensive camera lens you'll become a better photographer right
1: yeah yeah exactly you spend totally thousand dollars on the canon 1dx mark III
2: and a mm-hmm. 100 500 lens and you'll be newly you'll be set okay no but uh and also yeah but there are people <laughs> no there are people who, who think that way adam so let people Dude, know I... like what what would it be the basics you recommend for people who want to get into photography like the bare minimum
1: yeah. i mean any any camera is is gonna get you started like i my first camera was like a 400 camera and like it was you know not even my camera now is is a really cheap setup compared to what a lot of people use like a lot of people Really, I think the 5D Mark IV and the 100 to 400 setup is a staple. But yeah. That in itself, you know, use use that. Eric Slater uses that. That's a that's a five thousand, four thousand dollar setup. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, most of us not are on. everybody, not everybody can afford that. Um, essentially, all you would really need is is a camera with a decent megapixel. Like mine has twenty. A lot of people, like I said, the 5D has thirty. Um, but you know, sixteen to twenty megapixels and a lens that can get you. From 75 millimeters to maybe 300. That's all you need for marine wildlife. And Mm -hmm. like Eric was saying, you know, I've I've seen photographers spend fifteen thousand dollars on their camera setups and get absolutely awful pictures Mm
3: -hmm. because
1: they don't know what they're doing. And and honestly, the most important thing it's not about the camera. It's not a really I mean, it is about the settings to get the nicest pictures. But what it really comes down to is is spending time out there and knowing the animal's behavior. Mm
2: -hmm. exactly
1: i I have spent so much time trying to perfect the common dolphin shot and i never will but (laughs) just just learning just sitting there and watching their behaviors noticing little patterns little differences knowing if you're watching long beaks or short beaks um just rolling up on them and seeing what kind of mood they're in can totally change what kind of photos or you know videos you can make Mm -hmm. um that's really what i do
2: yeah like out here like People literally think you're, you know, you have, like, you're psychic and stuff like that, but the things we do, but we just know just because we know the animals, like, Kate, Kate Cummings, oh my god, she's amazing at, like, pred- predicting, predicting and lunges, like, you know, she'll tell people, look right here, and, you know, yep. on you, you know, like, we all got, all of us out here, obviously, you know, we got it all dialed in, but I tell people, like, you know, see where the sea lines pop up, look over there, or, like, look yep. for the sea lines, watch for that moment where they all kind of, like, kind of. You know, abruptly leave an area or wait for that little tiny flash of silver. You know, that's the anchovies getting out of the way, or like even the breaching. You know, it's like I always tell people, if you see like a dive that looks like the whale was in a, a hurry to dive, that's why you want to keep your camera up. You know, that's usually mm-hmm. good because it's loading up for a breach or something like that. Yeah, so, or even yeah. like
1: if you see it, if you see a breach one, it's not like, oh, I missed it, I gotta put my camera down. It's like, yeah, no, you better no, hold no. that <laughs> camera up there, buddy, because that thing might be coming out of the water again. Yeah, yeah, so, for
2: sure. I've always given you know, people a little tips like that, like, you know, look for that, look, for just, just listen to me, look for that, you know, look at the birds, look for it, look at that dark purple patch of water, you know, that's food right there. And then they're like, Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so, you know, like I said, it, it's, it's pretty simple. Like most of us use server speed, one over 3,200, but more importantly than that, you know, you're not going to be a good photographer if you use those settings. What's going to take you to the next level is spending time on the ocean and learning about your subjects that's that's the number one piece of advice that i can give any aspiring photographer it's just and
0: and learn about your camera too you know like
3: yeah totally big, i mean
1: you're totally every right set up
0: behaves quite the same and you're on a moving platform taking pictures of moving targets
1: yeah definitely and you know like i i, I think it is probably better to start on a, on a lower grade camera and really spend time more on focusing on the animal versus the camera but you're gonna you're gonna perfect your skills along the way you know and then eventually when you feel like you're you're a good enough photographer you can and you spend enough time out there you can upgrade and get the next Mm -hmm. camera that you want to buy and you know it might take years like I've had my camera for two years now and it's a lot of people are like like Slater always says he's like why do you use that camera like yeah he's for four you know Slater always gives me crap because it's like not the best camera in the world but like I'll make some good photos out of it for sure. You know, it's well, nice. and it's
0: what. What do you. What do you want out of it, right? Because like, it can be yeah. as expensive as you want it to be. But like, are you trying to make money off of it? Is it just a fun hobby? Is it for scientific research? You know, like very good point. You have to kind of center your focus on that too. Like, you know, how much financially are you willing to invest in this? If it's just a hobby versus yes. are you going to make money off of it versus are, is it for research
2: and another thing is Very people don't there are people who get discouraged really quick and there's people who get into this without really fully understanding this is wildlife you know they yeah. see all our breach photos they're like all i wanted was a breach and it didn't happen It was like we're out here every day. it day doesn't even happen for us you know too, I go like, yeah, weeks yeah.
0: without seeing a breach. Yeah,
2: and people get discouraged about that, you know, and then they're like, "Oh, this sucks." It's like, no, it's just because you need to understand it is nature, yeah. You know, I'm me, Adam. You know, all of us six days. You know, you guys five days a week, and you know that's why, you know, because we do this for a living. You know, if you come mm-hmm. out on one trip and you didn't see a breach, you know,
0: well, it, and we don't post, it yeah. and you're upset,
2: pictures. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't post, it. yeah, we post the things yeah. that, like. We get For every over, good photo
0: I got, months. I probably
2: got two thousand garbage ones. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. I got pictures of the sky, you know, the water. It, it, I do. Yeah, yeah. Out of
0: focus photos. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it, it really is, it just takes time. And like like Eric's like like we've been saying, it takes a devotion. Like if you really yeah. want to get shots, it takes some time. Like yeah. I think over the summer there's a period where I went like twenty seven days without missing the ocean. Like on my days off, I still went out and like and uh, granted, the one day I didn't go was like the most amazing day ever. But that's how it happens. You know, you're like, yeah, you just yeah. no. You know.
2: yeah. So And, and I'll, show, I'll be honest with you, you know, i am like I said, I'm not a photographer, but if I was, I honestly think, in my opinion, it takes away from everything. I mean, I, I'm out there because I love the whales, you know, mm-hmm. and if I'm going to be sitting there pissed off the whole time because I didn't get a shot of a breach, then it's going to ruin it. You're in the wrong field, you know? Yeah, you just, totally are. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and,
0: like there's some like there's some companies that you work for that also like will ask that that be your lowest priority right like
1: yeah mm-hmm. totally that in washington yeah. that's the way it was you know obviously yeah. like Pac-well, obviously passengers passengers should always be first yeah you know that's that's or just passenger experience or just even your own experience should be first but you know that's why i love photography it's just being able to capture a moment and yeah. no matter how old i am if i'm an 80 year old man that is a vegetable and i can't get to the ocean or whatever i can go back and look at the incredible things i've seen and, and there's and that's some. that drives me so
2: there's some companies that straight out don't let their crew have cameras to mm-hmm. you know? totally totally yeah but that, yeah, that's like at, a low at Pacwa, priority i
0: usually me. don't even bring mine to work yeah. because yeah. it's such a low priority for staff to focus on
2: yeah, so photos are, are my low priority. It's just that don't be discouraged because all of us get photos. But don't forget, we're, it's our job to be out there. So as I say, awesome things happen in front of me. I'm not looking for them. Uh,
0: yeah. But it's a good question. I mean, if you're going to shoot shutter priority, keep it high. It's a moving target. You're standing on a moving platform. And then, you know, adjust with the lighting as necessary.
2: Yeah. It, it's Pretty always good. It's always different out there. I mean, even shutter priority, if I know... I got something slow moving, you know, consistently. Or I'm just trying to get ID shots, you know, but I still want it sharp. I'll just lower the shutter speed so mm-hmm. I can, you know, get a better ISO so it's less grainy and stuff like that. So,
0: Yeah, sometimes if it's dark, too, you have to slow it down a little bit. Yeah,
1: it's. I would definitely, besides knowing the animal's behavior, it's really good to, to know the relationship between ISO, shutter speed, and aperture. The three of those working together, if you can figure out how they affect each other and you can do it on the fly and just change settings on the fly for certain situations, that helps as well. But like I said, for the majority of the time, if it's a sunny day or slightly overcast day, I'm shooting at 13200 and just lowest ISO and let the camera do the rest. It's all about that finger focus that's
0: what yeah. matters getting the focus down the aim yeah the aim and
1: the, the aim.
0: focus <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay uh we i was like oh it's gonna be a short podcast short so one yep. then
3: yeah turn that way.
0: We, <laughs> we haven't even done whale news or talked about filmography stuff do we want to save that for we later can, we'll save
2: it yeah. yeah i know slater likes films so we can save that yeah and
0: the, yeah. the whale news it's kind of still ongoing stuff anyway so
2: yeah that um, stuff keeps on coming it's so a,
0: yeah play. it's okay to to push it off to the next episode
1: um wow. that's kind of funny we went into this thinking think was gonna be short or we just talk about these things but we didn't talk about any of
2: those things so yeah i was like ah like,
0: oh, 35 minutes we'll be good here we this are this is right how now. this
2: all this is actually how this started <laughs> caitlin and slater sitting on the couch going we should record our conversations and yeah yeah how it all that's started. true i mean
1: i i that's a valid point like we started on some of the topics but i think we really talked about a lot of interesting and and thought-provoking things in this episode i i really enjoyed this
2: the one thing i love about us you know all four of us is that we're actually people in the field you know we're in the field you know and that that really helps you're seeing the real thing i mean Man, I almost think like we can we should start like a a podcast for like a after hours one. Yeah. <laughs> About the real, the so real I'm, stuff. Are, that going gonna in say, this are field.
0: you gonna moderate like yeah. <laughs> the after hours where like I can drink a beer? Or... Yeah, yeah, like, it's, when, it's <laughs> <kinda> like <laughs> when I got into <laughs> well
2: watching, you know, once the, after a few years, you know, after a few years of it, you ever hear that term? You should never meet your heroes, you know. Nah, I I know what that means right now, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to ruin, especially you younger people out of college, some of the people you guys worship, oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Except for us. We're great. We're great. Yeah.
2: I mean, no one's perfect. Some of the things we see in the field, you know, um, let's just say you should probably Google the name of some of the people you think are your heroes and well-watching. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Google my name. Yeah. You'll find the dude. You'll find a dude, also named Adam Ernster, that lives in LA, and he does like uh, physical training. That's not me. <laughs> he does like yoga, too. that's not me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to consider that. I don't know. If, uh, we could get down the spiral quickly with those could, topics. Could, I don't know if that's such a good
3: idea. There. Well, there we We'll get in like, trouble.
2: On- yeah there's a few facebook pages you know like those those naturalist only pages even those uh, won't even dare touch some of the things that we know you know
0: oh yeah there's a highly there's yeah. a uh there's a lot of unspoken yeah knowledge yeah i guess i would say
2: yeah oh yeah <laughs>
0: Let's just say, yeah,
2: every these these you, you young you young people getting into the field, yeah, be careful who who you you worship or look as a hero or go do an internship for, you know.
0: But yeah, I mean, but it, also if you have questions about specific places that we talk about often, ask
2: ask us. Them. Just straight out. I ask. mean, I'm maybe...
0: I'm pretty candid, but also pretty professional, so yeah, you know, let me know. I'm happy to talk to you about it. Um, especially for women wanting to get into the field too, because that's a different.
1: That's that's your girl, that your go-to girl. I'm not girl. saying
0: it's bad. I'm just saying there's maybe some things yeah. you want to ask me questions about that I could give you a better answer than maybe a man in the field could give.
2: Yeah. You. And if you want to ask an an old Asian marine biologist things, yeah, <laughs> I'm your guy. Yeah. Yeah. Or
0: a young Asian marine biologist.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: You got some diversity in this group now. Yeah. <laughs> oh man I yeah. always get those comments on, on like on Instagram like I said there's people you know think you know it's like oh he's a photographer with this awesome life and I was like I want to be he was like you want to be an old Asian born Asian guy <laughs> and you're like no the whale part you're like oh okay that makes <laughs> sense like I oh, do yeah.
0: other things you know yeah. that right
2: <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> Well, I just want to tell everyone, um, in addition to thank you, um, because thank you is very important. Um, just have a safe and, and healthy holiday season. Um, definitely, it's definitely a tough year this year and I know people are having to make sacrifices and not have their normal holidays, but, um, it's worth it. So just be careful out there and we're hoping that we're all going to get through this at in some way, shape or form. Um, But yeah, thank you so much. We're almost on two years of this podcast. And so I'm just super grateful that we're still going and that we added Adam to the team and that we still have listeners. And uh, we have Patreon followers that support our work financially, which I'm always super, super grateful for. So um, and we're hoping that 2021 is going to bring some exciting new things to Whale Nerds, too. So um, we're navigating that as we go. We all work. and. I move around a lot. <laughs>
2: yeah, you do. But
0: um,
2: <laughs> at least you're you know, moving to Wales. Yeah.
0: Yeah, moving. It's it's all in in the realm. But you know, we're we're slowly working away on some new goals, and we're excited for those to come down the line. So, yeah, those are my thoughts.
1: <laughs> I second those thoughts. <laughs> yeah, those are some <laughs> no, nice. Yeah, seriously. Thoughts. Like, like, thank you guys. You know, it, it really, it really does. It means a lot to us. You know, we get to we get to not only work in the field that we love too we get to come home and and talk about it as well and just you know try to try to spread spread as much love for these animals and as much knowledge as we can and you know i'm obviously new but just i've idolized you guys since i started you know and it's pretty it's pretty cool that i get to be here with you guys so i i really appreciate not only you guys but everybody listening um and yeah hopefully 2021 is going to be a good year for not only humanity but the whales as well so we all got our fingers crossed and we're all gonna keep fighting
2: and uh and stay strong together so
0: yeah
2: cool <laughs> all, these, all these whales will still be here in 2021
0: i think at least some of them will right I hope yeah so. it's always a goal Should
2: be. my favorite gray <laughs> whales are, are trickling in i'm happy yay I feel like I'm the only person that loves gray whales. Sometimes
0: I like gray whales.
2: I really need to.
1: I need to see them in Baja.
2: Like, I love gray so whales. Now, and
0: I you're them.
2: welcome. You're They're welcome to rocks. try to tag along with me. I'm yeah, to tag yeah. along
0: with
1: me. I'm gonna
2: try to. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's yeah. Uh, hopefully things don't change and we're still able to uh, everything, ha- everything happens this year.
0: Yeah. Well, fingers sure.
2: crossed. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I think we'll end it here. So thanks so much, everyone. And we will talk to you in the new year. Ah! Whoa.
3: Luna says bye. Luna (laughs) says bye, too. Oh, (laughs) okay.
0: All right. Bye. Bye, everyone.